Did Swedenborg have any dialogue with Jesus? Did the angels help us find and connect with our soulmate? Does Swedenborg mention suicide? Will we be able to see God when we pass God away? God is omniscient, and why would How he can someone even? gain heavenly reward? Is the afterlife more light for God? Is the afterlife more light for Swedenborg tell us anything about Is there any particular? Welcome back to another installment in our Spiritual Questions Answered series. I'm your host, not Curtis Childs. I am Chelsea <laughs> Odner. Don't worry, Curtis will be back next. Enthusiasts to respond to your questions. Immediately to my left is Chris Dunn. So you've seen him. He's been in our 10 Questions show, and you, he's may, he may have already answered your questions because he moderates the YouTube channel. He is an... Uh, MDiv student at the at Bernathan College. And then to his left is Cardam, Latin consultant for the New Century Edition, familiar face. And further to her left is Dr. Jonathan Rose, series editor for the New Century Edition of the Theological Works of Emanuel Swedenborg. <laughs> and if we could call you Jonathan, then all of our names would start with CH, and that would be oh. very satisfying. So, <laughs> sorry, we'll go with the J, though, because it's just good. what's true. So, get your questions in, because this is a live question and response. Answers may be a little bit set in the bar high, so we're just, we're just wanting to respond thoughtfully and charitably to your questions, and hope we have some good little uh, nuggets of, of uh, spiritual nutrition for you over the next hour. So... Let's get to our first question. So Nicole asks, what's the meaning of baptism by water and fire? So let's see this question. I know colloquially there's the idea of, oh, that was a baptism by fire to say, you know, I had to be, you know, it was through a hard experience that I learned these things that I know. Um, but it also makes me think of there's the, uh, in the New Testament, right, is John the Baptist says asking or says something about, I baptize you with water, but someone coming, JSR, do you have a? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, he says that someone who's coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Uh, so it's contrasting John the Baptist's baptism with water with Jesus' baptism with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Mm -hmm. Nice. And so what... What is the meaning of that? I mean, you know, we just did a whole show on the spiritual meaning of water. Mm -hmm. And that was an interesting insight that I got from that working on that show was that water, you know, is just easily it means truth. And so a baptism of truth is whatever truth does to you in your life. But light also corresponds to truth, according to Swedenborg. And so if you're comparing the light of the sun with water on earth, then you have this different levels going on there. Water mm -hmm. on earth is sort of a mm -hmm. lower uh, vessel even that can receive light or something. So if fire is this light and warmth, then is this, uh, you know, a baptism by fire is something even deeper, perhaps? Mm. Other, any other thoughts? Mm. Go, go, go. My, uh, my first thought is um i mean of course adults get baptized too but my um so water is truth it's on the like it's what we do with our bodies and i'm thinking of adults who baptize their children and that's more a statement on the part of the parents that they're going to provide truth right. for this child right. and then so the fire that makes me think of love which makes me think on the inside of that baby who's being baptized and that eventually that's where it's going to have to end up it starts starts with the truth on the outside and has to end up with the love on the inside right um, in, in in terms of turning toward truth and god and yeah and that mm -hmm. makes sense if like people who are getting baptized by water from john the baptist they are learning about god from somebody else and then mm -hmm. a baptism by fire when it's jesus is like well that's when you're meeting the lord for yourself or mm -hmm. you're having a relationship mm -hmm. with the lord yeah. Yeah, and an interesting aspect of this is that uh, Swedenborg says that baptism means rebirth. It means regeneration. Um, so there's a process there. And you can see this a little bit when 
Jesus says to his disciples, you know, they want to sit at his right and his left. And he says, can you drink the cup that I drink and can you be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? Now, he was baptized already years before he said that. Mm. But he's talking about a process that he's still going through of change and transformation. Mm. And so our baptism, so we have a first baptism from the word, which is what John the Baptist stands for, the Bible. And then there's a second one from divine truth, which is the Holy Spirit, and from divine love. And basically, as far as I understand that, it's a, a process that the Lord puts us through of transforming our heart and mind. Mm-hmm. And that's an ongoing, that's, that mm-hmm. baptism is an ongoing, it's not a one-shot thing. It's an ongoing mm-hmm. process. Yeah. That's great. I feel like I'm learning new insights about that whole idea. <laughs> Do you have any thought you want to share, Chris? Or no, no. You feeling guys, good? Yeah. Really good. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. Well, that's great. Let's see. What's our next question? Nicole, <laughs> you want to hear more about okay. Jade. Jade is asking, Swedenborg often talks about the Lord's human nature. Example, glorifying it. By the Lord's human nature, does he mean truth, his body? What exactly mm-hmm. is meant? Right. So mm-hmm. the Lord's human nature, I think in Swedenborg's terms, is specifically meaning the the human body he took on in the world, uh, specifically like the heredity, the, he needed that evil heredity in order to have have hell have access to him so he could overcome hell, right? But then, um, but at the same time, I'm interested myself as a Swedenborgian because there, Swedenborg writes about God the Father being a symbol of love and God the Son being a symbol of divine truth. So that, so I, I'm curious to hear what, what you guys think about that. That's, those are some initial thoughts for me. Do mm. you, you, you want me to have sure, a go? Please. <laughs> I, I think it's a great question. Um, very insightful question. And um, I think it does kind of mean both. I think of it, I think of, of Jesus when he was young, he was in a weird sense. I don't want to make it sound too much like superheroes, but I think it was like half divine, half human in a sense. You know, like he had a human mother and a divine father. And uh, so that whole human part, I think, is the human nature. It was the body. It was the flesh. You can see that was important because he was resurrected with all that flesh. But also his lower mind was a very important piece of it. You know, his mm-hmm. his thoughts, his feeling, that outer self kind of thing that corresponds to an outer self in us. And uh, so... And Swedenborg does say that that is a reflection of truth. I was just thinking today, I didn't know this question was coming, but I was thinking about the fact that Swedenborg says that truth is the form of love. It's right. the it's a container for love. And so his human nature was like a truth or a container for the love that, that he was um, becoming more and more identified with inside. Um, so hope that... Right. Get some some somewhere toward answering that question. Well, That's that, a great question. Yeah, along those ideas of form or the essence of love and the form of truth that uh, God is love itself and yet he makes himself known to us through truth. And mm-hmm. so in that way, definitely Jesus, his human nature is truth because that is what we can get to know immediately, you know, and then we can learn more and more about the, the deeper mm-hmm. elements of that. But. Yeah, yeah, I love the idea that, and this is kind of taking a sidestep, but mm-hmm. um, how the process of glorification that Jesus underwent yeah. became the model by which we really have in our regeneration. So you have this, you know, this big system happening with Jesus, this whole process of glorification, but there's meaning for us in our own personal lives with that. That's that's the path by which we can align ourselves with the Lord, uh, conquer evils, embrace divine love, and let ourselves be vessels of of the Lord's divine love in into the world. So I just think that's a it's a cool model just to base your life off of as well. He provides that for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is interesting that like in some ways Swedenborg can reserve the term truth to mean divine truth, which is this pure, you know, essence of what of wisdom, divine wisdom. Um but then he talks about different almost different levels of truth. Like we were just saying, water is some corresponds to truth but what Mm. kind of truth is that is that sort of like the lord's human nature earlier on in his life as he himself Mm. was going through this process Mm. and Mm -hmm. then 
he himself is walking the path of, uh, I don't know what you'd call that, but this evolution of truth until mm-hmm. ultimately he mm-hmm. glorifies it and becomes one with divine love. Mm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and that sort of uh, reflects the thought I'm having right now, which is um, that we are created in the image and likeness of God. So God, God is human divine human right, that's that's right. as high as you can get and we're created in that image but then jesus comes down and takes on this very mundane you know human condition and lives through the life of all the filth uh, and the uh, yeah yeah <laughs> just struggle. a human being that getting through life what mm-hmm. we're having a completely different inside experience than we all have but just that we can know that he understands Waking mm-hmm. up too early in the morning, stubbing your toe, you know, whatever, <laughs> this <laughs> yep. mundane stuff that he experienced all that too. And so he's yeah. both, he's both the, the ultimate human being and human, he right. experienced the lowest parts mm-hmm. of being. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's mm. good. That's great. So that's kind of a both and answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't be so exact, but we hope that's some good food for thought. Let's see what we have next. So yellow six one zero zero. How much of Swedenborg's works should be not taken literally? Mm. <laughs> we all <laughs> audibly. <laughs> so I wonder. I mean, the first thing that brings to my mind is a quote that we came across in working on a show once that was brought to my attention of Swedenborg himself saying, "Oh, I." It's so crude what I'm writing here to try to get across these spiritual truths and these spiritual realities. I wish Mm -hmm. I could, you know, words fail. And and so depending on what it means, what you mean by the word literally there, you know, could be is, I guess, what this really comes down to is like, in a way, words aren't, we can't put all of our, we can't depend entirely on words. You have to try to read between the lines. Because that's just what we do as human beings, right? But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Other thoughts? Um, I am just thinking that that any revelation, that revelation is something that happens for an individual in mm. their own individual spirit. Mm. And so that anyone's reading of any sacred text is going to result in a different kind of spiritual awakening because it's mm. it's mine and not yours you know mm-hmm. what i mean so um i mean there are some people that think uh a lot of swedenborg's works are allegorical or something like that and some people think that you need to take it all word for word and so i just think that's up to the individual and the right. lord and they're going to work out right what how what that balance is yeah right so there's not really a should there yeah anyway. yeah right right, <laughs> not, right right so how yeah. much should be not taken literally yeah. as well just read it and see what what's mixed or stirred up yeah you know mm-hmm. in you mm-hmm. yeah i think that the um uh i do think uh swedenborg's analogies some of his stories of his spiritual experiences have all this imagery in them. Yeah. You know, I I think some of that is, uh, at least can be read in multiple ways. As Cara said, there are schools of, you know, there's, uh, they're not, you know, millions and millions of people who've been studying Swedenborg in the past, but of the people who have, they break into certain camps about whether is there deeper layers of me? Can you read Swedenborg in the same way you read scripture or not? And, um, but I do think, uh, like taking some of the examples of what he'll say about certain religions or certain races of people or things like that. Right. Some people read that more internally. That's all something within right. us, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. So I don't think it's that there's, well, don't take this book literally, but take that book literally. Yeah. It 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 all has um, something uh, 
to offer that the the literal is always sort of a platform that you yep. take to to go deeper into it. But it is interesting, even in terms of relationship between the sexes that Swedenborg talks about, to think of that in terms of heart and mind. And so, you know, there are just interesting layers that you mm-hmm, can go mm-hmm. into inside there. But I don't have sort of a pat answer about, you know, 39% right. or something, you know. And it's interesting, you know, this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but if you were, if you should take Swedenborg's work literally then we'd all be out of a job. I mean, on the Swedenborg and Life show, you know, like our work is to take what can be very naughty. What does he mean by all, you know, like you said, of all races of this or that are such and such? It's like, well, actually, there's some really good spiritual nuggets of truth in mm. there if you kind of see past some of the, you yeah. know, gritty stuff on the surface sometimes, you know, like that that right. is useful. Um, but but then again, to each his own sort of a thing in terms yeah. of interpretation. Mm. Yeah, I, I tend to think, yeah, there's, um, I like how you said, teach his own. Uh, for me, the things that I take probably the most serious within the writings of Swedenborg is those precepts that allow me to to develop a deeper sense of faith and a deeper sense of relationship with the Lord. So he has all these kind of what he calls genuine truths that help you to live a more flourishing spiritual life. And so it's not, at least for myself, that I uh, disregard some things and take some other things, but right. it's more so I have emphasis and I mm. put a lot of my uh, my spiritual energy into these these concepts within the writings that that really just make me feel empowered to live a life of love. Mm. And there's so much in that, and mm. that's that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why I love Swedenborg's writings so much. Mm. Right. So. Yeah. And that is, I mean, Swedenborg even says in reading the Bible, to have that compass is your best gut gauge for finding the truth that you need yeah. for for your spiritual life is to have that aim at living a life of love and what is helping you on your journey. Um, that there always is something you have to work through there totally. on the surface. Mm-hmm. So, And cool. he also talks about this quality of affirmative doubt. Yeah. Uh, he says there's negative doubt where you just sort of question everything and tear it apart. But there's affirmative doubt where you say, I, I don't see this you know, for myself, but like, I'm going to hang in there. I mean, right. you know, I trust a lot of things that he says, so I'm going to hang in there and, and see right. if over time. Often I've had the experience of where Swedenborg says something, and at first I think it's just the weirdest thing I ever heard. <laughs> and then as I go through life, I realize, no, I'm kind of living in that story, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, you know so they grow, they grow on me over time. Right, mm. yep. Yeah, and I, I know people that use what they call, and this is a little bit what we were saying before, but they call it the in me tool uh-huh. reading the writings with the in me tool so after every sentence or whatever <laughs> you just you put it in me you know and so whether you're talking about the nature of the german race or the yes. relationship between husband and wife mm. or spirits from another planet if you put in me at the end of it then you can just reflect on like oh what what like does this that. do with mm-hmm. my inner my inner marriage of mm. good and truth or my mm-hmm. you know the way I relate to people or something. Yeah, totally. Or even my choices for the relationships. You know, it all comes yeah. down to your independent freedom, but you can be choosing consciously mm-hmm. to, I want to apply this truth to my, to this circle of my life or mm-hmm. something, you know, right, right. in that case. And for somebody else, it might be different. Yeah. 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 Cool. Any final words before I jump to the next question? No. Begging to get in there. No, okay. no, all right. Please. All right. Let's see what the next question is. Thanks, Jade, for that question. All right, Christine asks, what happens when two people die together side by side? Do they see each other when they cross over? Hmm. Mm. That's a very sweet question. Mm. I wonder. I think... uh, Eventually, at least. Yeah, Yeah, you'd think... Eventually, at least. I keep jumping in with the first thought, but I want to leave that open for anybody else who felt like if they had anything immediately jumped to mind. Well, one, one thing that I thought of was that uh, Raymond Moody talks about in, in one of his later books about um, shared near-death experiences where someone who's oh, not wow. even dying, who's perfectly, perfectly physically well, who's with a loved one who's dying, actually goes with them into the tunnel, sees their life review, oh, and, and he reports a number of these kind of experiences. So that's really interesting. So if that can happen to a perfectly healthy person, you imagine it could happen to another person who was dying. But I also think there's something, um, it so much depends on the relationship between yeah. the people in a certain way. Um, 
you know, everyone has their own journey kind of thing. So I can imagine the two people could be lying side by side, whether it's in a hospital, a battlefield, or, you know, car accident or wherever it is. And they might take a different, you know, they might not see, it depends on the love relationship or, or right. you know, what, what their connection is with each other. Because Swedenborg says that thought brings presence and love brings conjunction. So it partly depends on, you know, if they're just total strangers who happen to be, you know, dying on the bus together or something like that. It, yeah. they, they may or may not see each other going yeah. over. Yeah. I'm not sure. And in yeah. our show, um, was it just called What Happens to You When You Die? Um, mm. Or How an- how Angels Take Care of Us When We Die. Mm. That's what it's called. And that is what it is about, is this process that our consciousness goes through um, when we cross over and we are taken immediately to the highest of angels where we each have these celestial angels present to us you know, communing with us in love or whatever. And then, and then we come down through levels, you know, to whatever level we're comfortable with of, you know, then spiritual angels. And so he talks about regaining his thought at a certain point, you know, and so it would certainly, you know, then we also have that show, um, blanking on the name, but it's about space in the, like the appearance Mm. of space. And so that Mm. that is according to state. And so if, if two people, even if they, you know, where you whole slews of people who who pass away. I mean, it like is heartbreaking. But the attacks that have been happening around the world mm-hmm. lately, just all of these mm-hmm. people crossing over at once. But to know that they all have individual care. You mm-hmm. know, that's right. Like the ratio is yeah. good of angel to humans crossing <laughs> over ratio, um, and the and that. But that whatever state they come to, it would be appropriate to them. You know, they'll yeah. be surrounded by people who yeah. are like them. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think it's a deeply personal kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, and if someone else is part of your deeply personal thing, you you see them. And Swedenborg certainly says that uh, you very soon see loved ones and you reunite, you know, right. or that yeah. kind of thing. I don't know about the actual crossing. It's an interesting question. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if there are NDEs that talk about this. But, mm. uh, Swedenborg talks about maybe it's in his uh, memorable occurrences or something, but he, he says that sometimes people don't even know that they're dead. I mean, that, right. you know, that they're not, no longer in this world, yeah. which to me would imply some continuous experience yep. from mm. this side to oh, that side. But, but, but usually I think of the, you know, everyone as in an individual ends up in the, with the highest yeah, angels yeah. being loved to death mm-hmm. and <laughs> right, um, right so i don't yeah, know so about it that. may start out in a shared experience as you're saying you yeah because you're maybe you're there and the yeah i mean yeah. You're, you know it's it's a gentle sort of crossing so you're you're experiencing the same kind of thing for and then you're taken off maybe yeah yeah like swedenborg was able to be conscious of that experience of having the presence of celestial angels with him but Maybe to most of us, that mm. isn't a, so much a conscious mm. experience. It just is what is happening. Yeah. You know, you're just oh, cradled in love. Right. And then you come to and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, where? Oh, here I am, you know, yeah. or something. I wonder. Yeah. 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 It seems like my reading of that scene is very, a very sleepy scene, but one of incredible protection yeah. by angels that exhibit above all mercy, that, yeah. that just have a desire to compassionately protect and give love to those people that uh, are vulnerable and crossing over into a realm that is, uh, they can be new, but uh, they are so well cared for. And that is such a tender scene. Mm -hmm. And I would think of, uh, you know, I've only heard stories, but of like married partners who pass away within hours of each other or something that it's like, you just get the sense that, okay, you know, they're going to wake up and still be right next to each other. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I yeah. tend to think so. That's what yeah. I assumed. Yeah, is that From question. the question, yeah, but right. maybe yeah. they weren't Cause if they have that, that kind of scenario. In yeah. that, in the Swedenborgian understanding, like then if you, because you have that tender love for each other, so you are that protective love quality that you would, mm. you know, want around, like you're the loved one that you're wanting to see or That's something right. yeah. the other person. Yeah. Um, and I do think about like the unity of, of, of love within two people, you know, Swedenborg writes that the, that two people deeply in love become almost like one angel in the spiritual world. And, um, that kind of, that marriage of, of two people together for eternity. Um, I'm not sure how soon it starts, um, right. but I know that that is, that is what's coming for two people that share that bond of love. Yeah. That is so deep. Yeah. That's yeah. And right. he says that that's more and more possible in our day and age that mm. people can be establishing spiritual 
unions with other people mm-hmm. yeah. um, in that way. Great. Thank you, Christine. Let's see what our next question is. We are on a roll. <laughs> Eternal Spring is asking, if our soulmate is already in heaven, is there any contact while we are on earth? Mm. So, yeah. Um, I have a thought about this if you want. <laughs> Please. The, um, I was interested to read something that Swedenborg wrote, actually in his work on other planets of all things, but he talks at some length in there about contact between the worlds. And he kind of has two categories. Uh, one I would call sort of a normal people, like people in a sort of normal situation. Uh, their loved ones will be present with their minds and hearts. Mm-hmm. They will be aware of what they're thinking and feeling. They don't know whether they're at the store or, right. you know, at the opera or, or driving their car or whatever. You know, mm. they don't know what's going on in their lives. They don't see the things in their lives, but they they feel their uh, feelings and they they're aware of their thoughts, mm-hmm. and that's the way it is for a lot of people. But Swedenborg says there's another category of people who've reached a, a level of spiritual awakening where the uh, people in the other world can actually physically see through your eyes. It's a, it's a neat concept that our eyes are like a, a camera for mm-hmm. the spirit, you know, that other people can look in mm-hmm. your lens and physically see what, what you're seeing around you. Mm-hmm. He talks about people in the other world seeing through his eyes their, their loved ones in, in this world or whatever. And, and um, so that's a second category, more rare. Uh, I guess, but not unheard of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that there, there's that kind of, so it, again, it, it depends what you mean by contact. I, you know, I know from other people, I know from my own experience that the, you have a dream or you think of somebody or whatever, you know, it's, it's subtle and it's all too brief and, yeah. and, uh, not a whole lot of content a lot of the time, you know, it's just mm-hmm. a simple thing like right. I'm okay or, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about you or whatever. But uh, there is some of that. I've come to think it's all strictly regulated. Uh, right. Curtis and I did a show a few years ago about um, why don't our loved ones contact us after death? Communicate or some, with us more. Communicate yeah. with yeah, yeah, some title like that. And and um, I think it's strictly regulated, but under circumstances where an individual is is ready to, you know, when they have that safe contact with the other world, then they're able to be a bridge yeah. like that. Yeah, I like what you said about, you know, conscious contact uh, just out of the blue is is not entirely common, but that doesn't mean there isn't contact already going on already on the level of mm-hmm. your heart and sort of deeper thought, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and so often I find with my own experience of this but the, and with what Swedenborg writes about it is that those – that – our spiritual experience is a matter of sort of tuning in into subtler feelings that we might be having, mm. you know? So like that That's right. people wonder, Oh, I had a dream about this person and you know, was it real or something? And it's mm. like, well, how did it make you feel is is somewhat of a good indicator of, or and even just to have the humility to say, Oh, wow, I feel so joyful or so, you know, delighted mm. after having this dream that I could, trust or accept that that really means that there was some closer contact or some, you know, something mm-hmm. that happened. Mm. Um, and this yeah. eternal spring is mentioned specifically soulmate, yeah. um, not just any old loved one, but uh, <laughs> just talking to people that I know, um, right. the the, uh, the spouse that's left behind or the soulmate left behind it's just the experiences across the board some people feel very connected and feel like they're sharing intimate moments with their husband on the other side or whatever and some people get nothing like they just there's no contact at all and i would just like to say don't judge your relationship on whether or not you're experiencing a a lot of contact yeah that's right Uh, because I don't know what, like Jonathan said, it's strictly regulated, and I don't know the rules. Why right. do some people get to feel it and some people don't? Right. But um, yeah. yeah, 
I remember, hold yourself uh, gently uh, if you're disappointed, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember a woman who'd been widowed who, for, for a few years who said that uh, her late husband seems to talk to everybody except her. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody comes up to her and says, oh, yeah, I had a dream. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. can be so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> Chris? No, I'm no? good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Let's see. Thanks, Eternal Spring. What's our next question? Let's see. Evelyn. Do our prayers for our loved ones who have passed on even help them in heaven? Mm. What a great question. Mm. Thanks, Evelyn. Mm. Do our prayers for our loved ones who have passed on even help them in heaven? I remember doing a little piece for one of our shows a while ago about, we were (laughs) talking about how the spiritual world is like the internet. And we were saying, drawing a spiritual correspondence to hashtags. And, uh, and that is, um, you know, you use hashtags to be able to find things that are related to that thing on, on the interwebs. And, um, and so that through prayer, that is sort of like what we're doing is we're hashtagging, um, ourselves and inviting, you know, so I just, in terms of like in the spiritual world, you are, um, there is sort of a or Swedenborg talks about it in terms of auras. You do have an aura and it can have an effect on other people. And so if in a prayer or something you are, uh, you know, I think Swedenborg writes about how important it is when we pray to submit our will to the Lord's will because we don't know what's right for the other person. You know, like the Lord is taking care of everybody's path on the other side. But we, uh, if, if it's within the Lord's will, then if we are making that choice to send love or whatever it is to somebody who's on the other side i do think that that has uh an effect mm. Mm. yeah mm. any other uh, jonathan yeah you, you, i just God, love love never hurts i mean <laughs> yeah but i don't know the answer Jonathan? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know either, but I think... Who said anything about answers? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah, that's Response. Right. The, yeah. The, um, uh, I know there's the idea in some branches of Christianity that the, it's so important to pray for your loved ones, you yeah. know, like if they're in purgatory, they can get out of purgatory and that that kind of thing. And um, uh, But I think prayer kind of suits all circumstances or, or whatever, and uh, I know some people think that the praying is good for you. It's good for your Certainly, heart. And it is yeah. good for us. And we are told to, to do that and so on, even with our enemies and so on. We're, mm. we're, we're told to do that. Um, but, the, um, but I think it's also, you know, those studies that they did medically with just total strangers recovering from heart surgery that the, the group that was prayed for did, had better recovery times. And, it, you know, yeah. it something does actually seem to reach out through yeah. some spiritual dimension and touch the other person and have some benefit to them. And, and, um, I know that I, I always love it when somebody says, well, I'm, I'm praying for you or what, right. I don't know, you know, yeah. like it's a, it's a positive well, that, feeling. That brings to mind the fact that, I mean, the basic thing that Swedenborg says that I love when he just like, it's so clear cut that, um, Heaven, you know, mutual love, the Lord wants to bring things together is a matter of uniting things. Hell just wants to cut things apart, you know, in a, um, you know, I always play devil's advocate with myself and I realize, oh, of course, truth is sort of a discerner. It deciphers Mm -hmm. between things, but hell is really wanting to like cut things apart in a, a, yeah, in a harmful, you know, losing touch with other people sort of a way. And so I feel like the one of the core things that prayer does is reach out to somebody for community. Mm -hmm. Like to realize when people pray for other people talking about like studies and stuff is just like understanding how important community is for people and how Mm -hmm. healing that is, how we are these community Mm -hmm. creatures, you know, we need each other and we aren't just these solo things. And so to have something like prayer, even on a spiritual level, you think, cause I I've thought of, you know, friends and loved ones of, mine who have died in unfortunate circumstances like that if they are going through some sort of trial or something on the other side 
does my praying for them help at all? But I think in some way it is this reaching out of saying, you are part of my community. I still care about you. Mm. You know, like I, I'm sending you my love. And then whatever it is in the Lord's will of like, well, of course that person's going to have to work through whatever they need to work through. But it's this like webbing of mm. we're all in this together. Yeah. And the more of that, then the more like heaven can do the work that heaven loves to do because it's this mm. creating connection with people, you know? Wow. That's good. That, <laughs> yeah. That was inspiring. <laughs> yeah. that, was a, that was a mic drop comment right there. <laughs> well, mic drop, it would be too loud. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, Thanks, Evelyn, for that question. Let's see. Let's bring on another. Birel. Mm. Birel. Um, could you say how angels help us? Maybe a big question. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I just think there are so many ways that that question could be responded to. Yeah, can I jump mm-hmm. in? Please do. Would that be cool. The um, uh, it, I I want to start by saying how they're forbidden to help us. There, there's a particular. They are apparently Swedenborg says not allowed us not allowed to give us mm. under most circumstances to give us a new right idea a new religious or spiritual perspective to change our you know mm-hmm. they're they're not allowed to interfere with our freedom um uh there are things that they have to yes. hold back on so um a friend of mine said to me recently that prayer is a way of defeating the restrictions on your angels like nice. once you nice. ask they're allowed to help you because yes. you ask yes. you know yes and so right. some of it depends on our asking there are things they can't just preemptively look you just need this you know mm-hmm. or something uh so it's it's quite different what the equation is when they're invited in as opposed to not and if they're invited in some of the main things that they can do for us uh does have to do with the state of our hearts and minds give us encouragement or hope or ideas or inspiration or understanding or love or compassion or perspective, you know, things of that kind. Uh, It sounds from what I read in Swedenborg that that's more effective. Uh, You know, it's not that you can't pray for your car or for, you know, know, whatever, but, but that those are the things that they can really answer. And in my experience, answer very quickly. Yeah. You know, sometimes very quickly, uh, whereas um, things like I want my financial situation to improve or I'm hoping for, you know, to be in a relationship or something, you know, those can take years to answer so long that you forget you prayed it by the time you get the mm-hmm. answer to the prayer. Um, uh, so I, th- I think it's a tricky, tricky deal how angels, uh, how they're allowed to help us, but they support our freedom they, they're they not allowed yeah. to sort of push and shove us around and mm. i liked what you said about that being a way to overcome the restrictions on your prayer as overcoming the restrictions on your angels because you <laughs> need to give that signal that you want help and then you can pay attention and they're right there with it you know mm. um anybody else have a thought uh in my translation work today i had the sentence that one angel has more power than a thousand spirits from hell right so mm. uh i would I think that angels are working on the protection. Um, mm-hmm. They're certainly yeah. working on the balancing out any uh, dark influences that are threatening to take us over. Yeah. yeah that, can, can I yeah. jump in on mm-hmm. that? Sorry, just as far as it thought of me that the, I, I like the core part where you're making a decision, they're, they're not allowed to mm-hmm. sort of, you know, direct that or steer that. But areas you're not paying so much attention to, they, are they can protect. <laughs> and it says when we've when we've done something foolish, uh, they they try to if if that opened up a hell to us, they try to close that. Mm, but right. not if we're real attached to it, they sort of have to leave it alone. But if and so the picture I got was of a parent walking around behind a little kid. Yes. Where, okay, if the kid's determined to get that car, you know you're going to need to hand them something else. 
oh, look at this, oh, 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 and then maybe you can get the car away, or you can, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's constantly a game of working around the edges of yep. the freedom of this other being. I think it's a little bit like the parent-child mm. relationship. That's fantastic. I also think, like, on the flip side, about how we uh, and our thoughts influence angels or societies in heaven as well. Mm. Like, I remember reading in mm. the writings about how, say, you're reading from the Word, and those mm. specific passages that you're reading actually uh, kind of sent up. It's like little gems sent up to angelic communities that um, <laughs> take joy in uh, connecting with you in their spiritual understanding of what you're reading on the natural level. So yeah. it just... Uh, I don't know, it's cool when you're reading just to think, like, we actually, what we're taking joy in here is actually, uh, it's it's shared. It's shared by mm-hmm. many, and it's and it's mm-hmm. permeating the spiritual world, and there's an immense network of, of love and harmony with what we're reading on yeah. so many different levels. It's a two-way yeah. Yeah, communication. That's right. That, That's and, right. I mean, it, you know, how, how you say uh, angels help us is like, um, we talked about in our... I'm blanking on the name of the show again, but um, about how our thoughts are feeding angels, that we are That's this right. rooting, right. yeah. you know, this foundation for these angelic communities. And so when we have a thought that, uh, you know, is in harmony with a certain community, they are all jazzed about it, you know, yeah, <laughs> they, they, yeah. get, right. they get a boost. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, it, here it is, Easter week, um, that when, when Jesus was praying and he was in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, it doesn't mm. it say in one of the Gospels that that angels came and strengthened him. You know, yeah, like there's, yeah. uh, they can strengthen us when we're yes. asking for that help. They can give us and even power. And even when we're not asking for it in this case of sort of that behind the scenes presence is, you know, Swedenborg says that when we're going through our hardest moments, we feel so alone. But not only the Lord is present there, but angels are there, you know, being presences of the Lord with us too, of, you know, comforting us uh, mm. and and curbing curbing the hell yeah yeah it's a profound thing especially when you're thinking about the fact that like we may feel alone at any given point but we are so in the company of so many different beings that are looking out for our best interests and and just wanting us to feel like we're part of a system that is not just us yep Mm -hmm. that's right Mm -hmm. totally never alone Swedenborg says there are always angels with all of us that's great. Okay, thanks, Birel. I hope I'm not totally mispronouncing your name. Let's see. Let's go for another question. Kathy, did Swedenborg ever describe the lower Earth? Mm. Um, I think that's a yes. <laughs> and, but I'm trying to think, uh, where else does the lower Earth term show up? Um, you know, Swedenborg talks about it, but is, is it just a concept in, in other mythologies and you know that kind of a thing i'm not sure about that but um it is uh like swedenborg talks about this lower earth or the underground realm and he cites uh biblical passages that talk about the lower parts of the earth or it's translated different ways is that also like pits and stuff it talks about the pit when i go down to the pit and the lower parts of the earth and things like that there's and it's confusing. And, and where, you know, where did Jesus go with the harrowing of hell? Like after he was resurrected, there's right. this idea uh, in some of the epistles and, you know, that he, that he, he not only went up, but he, but he went down somewhere and mm. helped out people who were there, the souls yeah. under the altar. Yeah. And that. But it's kind of confusing in scripture to figure out what it's talking about. Yeah. But Swedenborg does describe it uh, quite a bit. Yeah, and it is in scripture, I guess. And I wonder, um, because post, uh, you know, Jesus coming into the world and overcoming hell and stuff, that that was, that opened us up from, um, you know, Swedenborg talks about how hell was, the human race was at the point of damnation because the power of hell was overcoming the power of heaven. And Mm so um, you think... I can sort of think of that as like we were swamped in hell at that point, and then he shows us the way out, how we can get out uh, of that and be freed from hell. And I wonder uh, if in our own lives, I recently heard, read that, I didn't know this before, but that the word Satan in the Old Testament is is a noun and a verb, and it just means like the accuser or to accuse. 
Hmm. Um, and, and those Psalms that talk about being in the pit and that kind of thing are, my enemies were all around me. They were all accusing me. They were da 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 da. And like, that just sounds like, yeah, you are in, like, cause if, if you are just being attacked by hell, is that being in the lower earth, you know, like you're still a human. So you're, you haven't chosen hell. So you're not there cause it's mm. your spiritual home, but you're sort of descended mm. into it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And is that like being in that pit and having the accusers, you know, hell giving us horrible thoughts or whatever. Should I just give a little Mumble of outline of what he's yeah yeah like basically I was confused about this for a long time as I read this term is it what is Swedenborg talking about the lower earth um, uh, he describes in some passages that there's uh, uh, there's an area he says that after we die we go to a place called the world of spirits most people go directly to the world of spirits which is halfway in between heaven and hell. And that's where people get sorted out, and that's a lot of what we've been talking about tonight. Um, at the bottom, what does bottom mean? You know, but the yeah. lowest part of the world of spirits, right next to hell, but it isn't hell, is this area called the lower earth right, or the okay. underground realm. And when Swedenborg describes it, he gives very strange descriptions. Like it's hard for me to fathom, but it literally does sound like it's underground sometimes. You know, people like come up through the ground and appear at the next level up. Sometimes there's a ladder that goes down. You go down into it. Uh, you can't see the sun from down there. It really is like underground. Mm. Um, sometimes he even describes it. This mm. gets even weirder. Uh, <laughs> that it's full of water. Like the the people are fine. You know, they're they're, they're yeah. not drowning. But the appearance is because of the things that they're thinking that they're surrounded with water. Right, being flooded and by. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so what you were saying about the, Satan and so on, uh, Swedenborg describes it as a state in which you are thinking what you're thinking is false. There's something untrue in what you're thinking. I found this so helpful psychologically because when I'm stuck or when I'm in the pit or something like that, mm-hmm. to think, oh, I don't know what it is that I've got wrong, but there's something that I've got wrong. Mm-hmm, right. I, I feel hopeless about something that yeah. there's actually encouragement about. <laughs> and Swedenborg says that when you're in that pit, you might be surrounded by hell and you might have all these false thoughts, but there's an opening straight up above to God, you know, like there's a connection. There's still a mm-hmm. vertical connection uh, and, and people get lifted up out of there and are, are very relieved to be released and so on. Wow. That's great. Thanks. Hope those were some good thoughts, <laughs> Kathy. Let's take one more question. Matt. Evil seems to make more inroads and be louder than good. <laughs> yes. I do think there is good. Yes. <laughs> if we can't communicate with the spiritual realm, why is evil allowed to be as invasive as it is? Great wow, question, Matt. Good good what a doozy. Um being louder than good that I can really resonate yep. with yeah, that. That is great. That is awesome. Because it's so easy to focus on what your problems are when you might have, you know, a hundred blessings and two yep. really tough problems. Mm. And all we can see is the tough problems. Yes. Mm. And that's that two two thoughts that come to my mind. One is I mean, that's the problem of that this has to be a, a self agency kind of choosing choosing goodness. You know, it's uh, that it always is going to take, like, you're always going to be going against the current a little bit to choose goodness because that's what makes it like you're really wanting that. It's not mm-hmm. just, you know, he says, we talked about in the conscience show that people who are good-natured don't have conscience just because they're good-natured people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They just have a good nature, and that's fine, but they still need to develop conscience, and that's mm-hmm. still this going against the current of the loud evil to say, I'm going to focus on the good, I'm going to you know, start turning in this direction. And then of course the Lord is really the one who is making us, you know, go forward in that. Um, And one other element is that uh, Swedenborg says that as long as we're in this world, hell is of this world in a way it's physical focused. It's not so spiritually Mm -hmm. focused. And Mm -hmm. so as if we are interacting in this world, then it is just easier for us to, be coming up against hell-related kinds of things um, mm. because spiritual truth is just above or within and deep to this world. And so you have to sort of make this choice to, 
you know, on a practical side of it, I always laugh at myself when I get out of the habit of meditating or taking time for 10 minutes of silence to turn inward because it seems like the easiest thing. It has such huge rewards in, in terms of tuning me into that spiritual presence of, of goodness. And, and, but if I get out of habit with that, then, you know, in a week I'm totally in the lower earth, you know, <laughs> like I am just down, down in the, you know, pit again or something. And so those are some. Hmm. Yeah, I think I kind of talked a little bit about this in uh, one of the ten questions shows about the 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 reason why the Lord permits evils. Yeah. Um, in the divine design, and I think one of the things that I think uh, so the last part of this question is why is evil allowed to be as invasive as it is? Um, right. And that's such a hard th- that's a, such a hard question to to answer in a very like A B C D kind of way. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh here's why, and you know it's a clear yeah. cut answer. <laughs> Um, because in a way I want to honor the fact that like when we're dealing in the midst of suffering and evil yeah. and it's loud, um, that's really hard and it's, um, it's confusing and it's murky territory at times. At least yeah. it seems to me that way. But what I've always kept in mind was that even those moments where, um, the darkness seems to be kind of bellowing around us, um, those are kind of the stepping stones that allow, at least allow me to see, uh, some spiritual growth elements through that. Um, mm-hmm. Perfect example. Uh, right. I um, I have a friend and a mentor. She's a survivor of the Holocaust, um, and she underwent some pretty horrible things. And for a lot of her life, she spent um, she spent a lot of uh, after being liberated, spent a lot of her time in deep pain about what she went through. She lost pretty much really? her entire family, um, uh, and eventually she was able to realize that. Uh, what had happened, albeit it was, there, you can't justify that type of hatred. It was, it was the one of the worst acts in human history um, to have the Holocaust. But she found forgiveness in that, um, and she was able to to teach that on a scale uh, that taught the world what it meant to heal through pain. And that, to me, is one of those things where, yeah, evil there is obviously so incredibly invasive. Mm -hmm. Historically, it's probably one of the grander scales of evil permeating, you know, large amounts of people and just just destroying everything. Um, But the Lord doesn't permit those things unless they can be used in some way to help you grow spiritually. he doesn't allow evil, but he works with us as we suffer in a way that can help us provide meaning and hope out of really hard situations. And so for me, yeah. evil is allowed uh, for that, uh, and it's so hard. And so I just want to leave it with that. Yeah. Uh, it's Well, I think with even what you're saying, like true ideas are tools that we can use. Like I feel like in my own experience with that invasiveness of it is... I feel like I may be getting a little bit better at remembering what I can do when I'm in those moments when it feels like this is way too loud, this is way too, you know, too mm-hmm. much, too much, too much, you know, or something. And that there are uh, tools that lend us some, you know, ideas that can help us get through those, those really hard moments. Carl? I don't have anything to say except for how how big and horrific evil is in the world. I mean, if we just read the newspaper today, mm-hmm. there's just so much, and I just don't get it except for this. Right. feels so platitudinous or something, yeah. um, you know, just in my own little individual life, it's one thing, but when you look at the horrors yeah. in the world, it's just yeah. so tough one. Yeah, it is a very tough one. Sweetmore says that the um, our uh, he he like he says about himself that he talks about how his consciousness would go up and down his focus, and when his focus was on external and worldly or even you know evil self-centered things or whatever, that he would be down there in some spiritual level, and it was so loud. And then when he would get out of there, it'd be so quiet. Like, where's that noise? You know, all that noise is going on down there. Yeah. He describes it in some passages as a three-story house. And <laughs> it's a pretty funny image to me. I mean, it's horrifying. But, um, 
you have all this evil in the basement. All the evil's in the basement. It's always in the basement. That's where it is. And angels are sort of trying to talk through the floor, like, keep it down, down there. <laughs> you know, but you can hardly hear this. Like, what did somebody, you know, the music is blasting. You know? And um, hmm. uh, as my hope for the human race is that as we um, uh, become more spiritual, as people make individual choices and people link together and so on, uh, and we rise up more in our spirits. There's been a long descent of going down and down into more and more attention to worldly, materialistic, financial, whatever kind of, you know, and all that stuff needs to be paid attention to in your life. But it depends on what's dominant. You know, would you sell somebody down the river to get a little more money or, you know, or, yeah. or, or even worse, you know, torturing people or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, if that starts to take the back seat uh, to love, um, you know, uh, which it's predicted in Scripture that this will happen, uh, and I love that vision very much. I think we'll become more able to hear the the choirs of angels, and and that other noise will sort of recede a little bit. Uh, but it does that invasive, you know, the image of like these invasive species, or I've also quite the opposite image. But the way that it really has bothered me sometimes that like the desert just grows by a few feet every year so like it just gets bigger like it never gets smaller you know it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger there there are things like that that seem like they're they have this um nature and um the why allowed is one of the most basic uh yeah. questions uh but it's it's there for us to learn okay that's the basement that's noisy that's the sort of voice that comes from the basement yeah. I can feel it in my own heart. I can see it on the news. You know, so we start to be able to identify, okay, this is how I get up. This is how I use the stairs. Swedenborg says when you have the loves, when you have like love of God, love of the neighbor in the right order, and then below that is your love of material things and your right. love of yourself, then you can go up and down stairs at will, which is a cool idea. You mm -hmm. know, you can, hey, I'm in the basement. You know, I can go upstairs. What happens to me a lot and what happens to people a lot, I think, is that you get stuck in the basement because your basement's up near the top of the house and then the stairs don't go anywhere. So, you know, <laughs> but, uh, Who built that house? But, yeah, right. So being able to, you know, get up, learning how to rise up and be able to see where we are and then be able to go up is so important. And I think we'll all learn to do that as a human race. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me, uh, my grandfather lives in Tucson and I would go for hikes with him or I've been on several and he would take me up to these mountains east of Tucson it where when you go up on them you can look out over the mm. city and he would encourage me to think spiritually about it that look so much is going on down in the city uh mm. you you know there could be anything happening down there but you're up here and look how it just looks beautiful. There's just these lights. Mm -hmm. You Peace. feel this cool air. Yep, you see the moon and the stars. And and that not that wonderful that the physical world offers us this revelation that mm -hmm. we can use for our own lives, which is that there is this city and, you know, that there is this lower plane where all hell can break loose. But there are these mountain places that we can go to and... Uh, get above that, like you said, with the great house analogy. And I will lead us toward a closing because if you tune in in two or three weeks, we're going to be doing a show on uh, sort of why why we lose touch with those spiritual truths that we might want to believe. You know, we might want to believe in goodness, uh, but then the hell of this world can feel so like it. That can't be possibly be true. And so that... Uh, there's a lot to get in there so that we'll be doing a show in a few weeks about that. Nice. Um, but thanks so much, Matt, for that awesome closing question. So if you enjoyed what we all talked about tonight and got anything out of it, please like and subscribe. And uh, if, if you want to go even further, then we would welcome you to uh, make a donation because that helps us create uh, more of this content our fully produced Swedenborg and Life shows and uh, so we love we love this ongoing exchange that we get to have and so this video has a little bit more about what we do.
We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. That's why we offer Swedenborg's books as free downloads on Swedenborg.com, and we produce this show and other content on our Off the Left Eye YouTube channel with no paywall or ads. The only way to keep this up, though, is for those of you who like what we're doing and feel comfortable giving to give. If the idea of helping others have easy access to the content we produce feels meaningful to you, please consider supporting this cause with a donation. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through this way, in the end, everybody wins. That voice sounded oddly familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So next week, it won't be me. I'll miss you all, but it'll be Curtis Childs back in his... uh, center seat at the table and you will be the show that we have is why did jesus suffer and die so we're going to be digging into a big question about that quote uh, the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world and what what does that mean um from what did swedenborg unearth about that in his study of the bible and uh what what can we gain from that so please tune in next week 8 p.m monday night Thanks so much, and thanks to our panel. Thank you so much for lending your time and minds to these and hearts to all these questions. It's a joy. Thank you. Thank you. 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 All right, see you next week.